0: For Bariga Pod Podcasts, this is Dead Cinema Society, a show concerned with the revitalization of cinema out from entertainment. My name is Chris.
1: <laughs> hey everybody, Paul here from DCS. You made it to our podcast, and we made it too to DCS 21, our 21st installment. And today, the Dead Cinema Society continues its fascination with horror and the occult and sometimes a combination of the two, with a review of the 1973 British cult classic Don't Look Now, starring Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland. It has everything. Dwarves, toe-sucking, and arguably one of the most sensational opening sequences in 20th century filmmaking. Oh yes, enjoy the listen. Head over to our YouTube page, give us a like, subscribe, tell us what you think, and now we present
2: don't look now julie christie yeah so uh i went last so i'll start us off um don't look now okay i (laughs) Uh, i don't remember how i think the reason this got into the wheel was um like a long time ago i was uh reading something that Ari Aster was writing about his influences for hereditary. Mm-hmm. And I think that this was one of his big influences. So okay. I think that's how this made it in. Um, but like all three of the films are like two, of, like this film and the act of killing. I went into this not knowing at all <clears throat> what I was about to watch. So I had zero expectations. I had no idea that it was even a horror film. Uh, it's not really a horror film anyways, though. It's, it's just kind of like a, it's set. barely a thriller. Barely a thriller. Yeah. So I was expecting it to be much more jumpy. Um, As the film started going, I was like, oh, this is going to be like, it's going to get fucking wild. And I kind of wanted it to get wild. And it didn't really get wild at all. Um, My initial reaction when the film ended was I fucking hated this movie. Um, But this was one of the films, one of those films where I woke up the next day thinking more about it, asking more questions about it. I started reading a little bit about it, um, and I do like some of the ideas that were that were explored, um, and some of the techniques were interesting. But overall, I think the the, the z- too much zooming, too much quick cutting, just overdone. Like it was a little too experimental for my liking um and i just don't think that it was successfully um alchemized if you will and with that being said i give don't look now a 6.7 okay okay and i pass it
0: to a I was like, you want to bring the fire first? <laughs> yeah, let's bring the fire. Oh, my God. This movie, man. Burn it, death. There are, there are times in which I'm watching a film where I can excuse bad filmmaking from the past because it's, it's very hard to make a film. Uh, I've tried and failed. It is hard. Films are hard to do. It takes a lot of people, a lot of time, and a lot of effort. And quite honestly, a lot of luck this movie sucks <laughs> i hate this movie i was watching it actively hating this movie donald sutherland is a great actor god rest
2: his soul he he's Sh- a liar i thought he was dead no he was just in a series with nicole kidman that zuzu and my mom loves
0: i thought he, he looks dead anyway. though he well looks no I, I i thought he died oh uh who's the uh easy writer uh
2: Oh, oh that guy yeah he's dead
0: yeah <laughs> you know what that i'm talking dead. about though yeah. uh he was the pirate in Waterworld. <laughs> uh dennis hopper yes dennis Hopper. dennis hopper uh so i uh, he sucks in this movie there there is not a good actor in this movie oh. i'm sorry like this is a this is a early 70s jerk-off fest and uh, please tell me and I, I i will i will stop my answer to say where in this movie does there belong a sex scene that's it what does. makes it great no it's so bad it's literally just thrown in there and i did the research and it was thrown in there at the last minute and it was so terrible that i'm going to give this ranking the ranking it deserves in my oh, opinion and you cannot <laughs> tell me clear. anything else
2: this
1: uh
0: I'm, i got He's so anxious
1: take the matches <laughs> get the matches out of his hand oh my this god is- <laughs>
2: This has phase four vibe. Oh, Oh,
1: I was going to lead with phase four. I'm like, oh my God. It's funny that you say that. The zero is the bottom number. The zero is the bottom number on your phone. Excuse me. Sorry.
0: I, no, no, no. I am very
1: cognizant
0: that phase four is the bottom of our list. So therefore it should be the basis for which we should judge things. And that being said, I'm going to give it the exact same score I gave to phase four, which is a 3.9. Whoa. Which is not showing up for some reason.
2: But it's a three point because Swift polling is like, calm down,
1: Chris.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Come on.
0: Even Swift
2: Swift polling thinks you're being too harsh.
0: No, I'm not. It it got the exact thing that it deserved. And it showed up on there.
2: Three point nine. Wow. Who are you passing it to?
0: I'll pass it to Paul because Aaron's going to bring some uh, some whatever to this. But
1: I'm Paul Paul, Paul.
0: Paul, not saying shitting on Aaron, but Paul has been contradicting, and I want to hear
1: what he has to say. <laughs> no, I'm just going to channel Zoo. Yeah. Um, she would be saying something like, "Paul's going to find something good about this movie. Um, <laughs> he's going to read a book. He's going to read the book. <laughs> he's going to get deep into Nicholas Rugg's canon." And realized he was a cinematographer in some really sort of groundbreaking British films. He's probably a David Bowie fan. Yeah, he's a, okay. Um, yeah, keep I keep mean, it going.
2: Keep keep it going. Yeah, keep it so going. Keep it going. me
1: so based. So and I and I feel like he'll be. I think when 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 the love of my life speaks, Paul will hear the words "idea" and "experimental," and he'll hear the phrase that. Yoshi slept on this movie, which is exactly what I did, because I my wife walked away. She goes, oh, my God, I think I've seen this, and this is not going well. I said, this is, and I'm thank trying you, to thank you, this is British, a cult, you know, cult classic thriller. Whatever. I don't even know the genre, but, honey, it's, look at the sex scene. She's like, oh, God, the sex is driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, but I'm right there. I'm hanging in there. Because when I finished this movie, I said, this movie influenced some directors that we like, because they looked at, like, and I don't know what it is, that's why I always defer to Chris and Aaron and Yoshi on directing and editing, because it's a little beyond me, but I loved that experimental quality to this movie. And I thought Sutherland glued this thing together. I did not find him flat at all. I think he filled frames. There are moments when Julie's in the foreground, he's in the background, and he is keeping himself busy. It was like Steve McQueen-esque in The Magnificent Seven. It was great. I thought he kept this thing going. Um, unfortunately, you know, given some of the scenes, which I'm sure we'll, we'll delve into. But I, like Yoshi, felt this was not quite a seven. Oh, God. But definitely north of a definitely north this, of six. Paul. And because of the sexual content. <laughs> 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 the sexual content Paul's going to get. Oh, is it not working here? Oh, my God. Here we go. Hold on. Because of the sexual content. It's going to get. Because of the sexual content. A oh sixty-nine.
0: <laughs> is is You're wrong, but I appreciate the sixty-nine. Okay, um, good.
2: Reverse that and give me that book. I, I agree with you, Chris, that on um, the sex scene being really
3: dumb. And finish us off.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, like the sex scene. Boy,
3: <laughs> what a what a film, guys. Um, yeah, I don't know who brought us this one, um, but let's just start with saying. Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie actually had incredible chemistry together. And I did appreciate their acting as wild as the writing is. And as shitty as I don't think the dialogue shitty. I thought the dialogue between them was beautiful, but just the plot line was like, I mean, Donald Sutherland dude, Donald Sutherland locked the gate for no reason.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
3: Well, uh, sorry, Aaron. I'm so sorry. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. There's some choices here where it just constantly was like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, just you know, a very uh, volatile feeling inside. Um, But honestly, some of the most natural uh, uh, relationship, marriage, acting I've seen. And I mean, they saw they sold it so well. I was like, I don't know how either of these people are in a relationship or married as this movie is taking place because they are so their inhibitions are so out the door and they are so present with each other in this marriage. It just felt so real. And because of that aspect of this film, I will be giving this film uh, right there. Six point five. Six point five. Yeah. I've and never heard.
2: I've never heard so many compliments for a film
3: with such so low. <laughs> oh, but the plot. The plot. <laughs> yeah,
1: just, saying, I, the
3: plot is so bad. I mean, just the the accidents <laughs> that happen and all this. Just there was just. There's so much to not like about this film that even their beautiful acting which was very inspirational it's just the rest of the film is just trash
0: well this trash film gets a six
3: <laughs> good yeah i mean yeah,
2: that's where it belongs yep
3: yeah. belongs in the d category
2: yeah so uh don't look don't now. watch now either <laughs> don't watch now it's interesting um, that the acting was kind of saving grace for you, Aaron. I'm I'm more along the lines of, of Chris where, I mean, I don't think that Donald was bad in any way. I think he was one of the only things that was watchable about the film. Um, but I didn't get this sense that it was like anything, you know, crazy good between them. Um, for me, the saving grace rather than the acting, again, was more that this was – sort of like so venice was like a labyrinth and he was like a rat in the in the labyrinth that's what that scene was about where he he he's in in those tunnels and there's a little white rat running around i think that's meant to be him and so to catch the the audience up a little bit his daughter drowns in their backyard in this little river and then they choose he chooses to go work in venice like the most water ridden city there is. So there's like a little self-flatulation thing going on there. Where okay. self flagellation. You're Damn saying it.
0: flatulation because he's farting <laughs> a himself. A <laughs> lot of
3: gas. Too much uh
2: That's one of those things uh, I can never get right. Self
0: flagellation. Hey man, Julie Louis Dreyfus was great in the Mauritanian. <laughs>
3: So flagellate, like whipping, or flagellate, like...
2: Yeah, he was was farting a lot, and so they decided to move to Venice. Um, But, again, I think the ideas here are cool, is like whereas his wife is choosing to try to deal with this grief in maybe not the most logical way, but she is looking for comfort um, by believing that their daughter is communicating to them. He, on the other hand, is – you could maybe presume that he's choosing to try to just ignore the emotions that are bubbling up inside of him. And so he's not dealing with his grief, um, which is why he's – so he's getting all these omens right throughout the film as to – leave Venice or to pay attention to a certain thing or to deal with his grief. He's choosing to ignore all those omens. And so is that what leads him to this red dwarf? And is that why she goes like this? Because that's basically the universe saying to him, no, you were focusing on the wrong thing. Like you weren't supposed to be searching this deep into the labyrinth. You're supposed to be searching within yourself to deal with your grief this is why the film falls apart for me because like i can i can barely even piece together what he was going for because i don't think he really hit it on the head and like the scaffolding
0: in the in the church you're doing some heavy lifting but you are not gonna be able to hold that up for very long
2: yeah because this movie no, you're right.
0: is terrible <laughs> and like i mean even getting into like a technical aspect of it did you guys notice how much adr there was of yeah, like they yes, be watching it yes, it was yes, like
2: it not bothered the hell out of me in, in,
0: everything's in, in, fine
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right and why yeah. what what's with uh Italian filmmaking and ADR
0: and then not giving us subtitles yeah no for any so of the That's Italian what I loved about it that <laughs> was, I was like That's I want to ask
1: everybody did yours have subtitles yeah no. <laughs> It I liked that actually. Thanks I for making that was a it clear choice. to us, Mr. Sutherland, because we weren't sure where you were going from A to B to B to C, C to D. No,
2: but that I thought that was a cool choice because it made yeah. us the audience have to like be like, wait, yeah. so so what's happening here? It it, it kind of was. It made us along for the ride with dust with Dustin Hoffman with Donald Sutherland of not really being sure where things are going or if people yeah. are on his side or against them. There was some positive things about the film like. The tension, mm-hmm. the, the sort of paranoia of not really knowing. It seemed like the whole city was against him at some point. I thought the priest was the real bad guy in the film for most of it. I wow. thought he was plotting to get Donald Sutherland killed so that he could take Donald Sutherland's wife for himself. Like My head was going in a million different directions to try to figure out this thing. And then it, it turns out that, the city's plagued with a dwarf serial killer i mean is that literal or is that metaphorical i just can't put it together so there's a lot
0: of i, I think there's a lot of th- i can point to like a couple different things this movie that i liked because i i forced myself to think about this from that perspective knowing that i was going to hate this when we were talking about it so the things that I liked it, I think the things that people took away from it, someone like Ari Aster, someone like uh, the director of Imbruge, who uh, I'll also get into it in a bit, is the first is the water shots. Every time they cut to water, I was immediately amazed by, like, the lighting, the, the way that it was shot. Like, him coming out of the water with the girl, I was so on board for. And it happens in, like, the beginning of the movie. I was like, ooh, this is going to be, like, a, an art house horror movie. That's amazing. I can't wait to watch it. And it just completely went to shit. Like, so there's that. There's the idea of Venice as a character, So the idea is that Venice is, like, playing with him almost. Like, things are falling down, and, you know, he's there to restore it, but it doesn't want to be restored. It wants to go under the water. There's constantly bodies being dragged up. Like, I thought that was super cool. And then the other thing, and I realized I made fun of it, but, like, kind of the way that it cut, you never quite know what was going on. And, like, the reason that I chose the best scene of the movie, in my opinion, for the clip was because I was like, "Oh shit! Like this is his life. As he's dying, he is literally seeing what is going to happen and what will happen." And like the people, the the watch commander, kind of sitting up, and being like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening?" I thought that was cool. But three things that I like about a movie does not a go- does not a good movie make. I think that Ari Aster pulled the best part of this movie out for Hereditary, because if we think about it on a very base level, this is analogous to had hereditary in that sense how
2: how so i didn't see the connection
0: oh just the idea of of children and the the kind of nature of what it means to be a parent and the grief
2: of losing a child exactly that's the only similarity i saw i mean some of the maybe some of the like oh bye -bye. (laughs) see the world knows you're wrong some of the um maybe some of like the the paranoia vibes or something i don't know like it didn't seem like a similar movie to me. Well, and um, I hated
0: it because that guy with the mole was in that movie.
2: The guy with the mole, Alex. Uh, oh, Alex Wolf, yeah. who you hate. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, how did you guys feel about like the sort of like constant? zooming i'll ask you aaron the the constant zooming and zooming out of the camera like really quick zooms and zoom outs it seemed like it was just like one after the other they were cool shots into themselves but it just felt too consistent for my liking
3: yeah no i i didn't care for the technique i mean like chris said i was captivated um during the drowning scene and him pulling her out and um you know i mean i don't even think they used that zoom effect during that it's just there were some experimental things going on. I was going to say this film also, it, it kind of felt like an excuse to show off how beautiful Venice is. Like, I don't know. Like, they were like, I, I felt like the cinematographer and the producers, like everyone was just so stoked to shoot a film here. Did they actually shoot in Venice? Yeah. Yes. yes. Right? Awesome. It felt like that. It felt like a bunch of people got really excited. Let's show how gorgeous the city is. And just completely slipped on the plot, you know. I mean, that might be one of the saving graces, in in a sense, is that I've never seen, I've never felt so intimately aware of what Venice, the vibe of Venice, is. Yeah, and that that's what I loved about it was like I really felt like I was there, and that was nice. I mean, it was a beautiful city. I love how they used it, like you said, like a maze. it was just very intimate but you know once again there's a lot of things where it's just like what like the the when when she goes by in the boat with the old ladies right that's a premonition it didn't actually happen right well it, didn't it, happen. it,
2: it happened but he one of his psychic abilities that he wasn't aware that he had was to see into the future and so but only things orienting around his own death that's essentially what his power was is to see He was basically getting omens about his own death, like warnings, essentially. So when he thought he saw his wife, he was actually seeing the funeral parade of his body.
3: Yeah, but then then he calls his wife, and he's freaked out because she didn't talk to him and tell him what. And then on top of that, when he talks to her over the phone, she's acting really – she's like – just her demeanor very off She's like oh I- i'm catching a flight no 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 and he's like well what happened to you and she's like cutting him off like oh no no don't worry don't worry everything's fine it's, it's like it felt like she was somewhere she was not supposed to be right but then you introduce her back into the story and she really was just taking care of her kid and now she's back in venice excited to see him and runs to meet him all that was super clunky she goes to the police department and they're like setting it up like that guy's about to murder her there's just a set up falls and falls it doesn't it's not congruent it, it's not enjoyable for the audience i mean i'm not like it it, it wasn't a good ride of suspense it, it was just completely i don't know let down misinformation uh, bad storytelling i don't i don't know
0: yeah aaron i'd love to know what nationality you are so i could give an informed opinion of
3: where you're coming from with that <laughs> what national like my nationality, like
0: yeah, I'm just confused. My ethnicity? No, where where are you from? Where are you born?
3: I'm born in Santa Cruz. He's not getting it. You're no. you're, you're literally I'm covered American
1: in flags. And I'm, born in the
0: USA. I, I, I'm American. <laughs> I know.
3: I'm covered in flags. I just thought this was appropriate for the two movies that we had about torture. Yeah. No, it is appropriate. About, just about um, America, Western culture. I don't oh, know. Yeah. It's very Very soon we're going to be... How it's not word. black and white, hegemony. how everything is... Oh, kind of hegemony. hegemony.
2: Hegemony.
1: Hegemony.
3: Hey, what happened to our soundboard,
2: Chris? That would be making this conversation a whole lot better. Uh, yeah, hit us with the whoop-whoop. We didn't get it.
0: Oh. Oops.
2: <laughs> Oops. Oops. Um, uh yeah no uh, aaron you're spot on um it's like at what point does a director have the right to fuck with his audience to the point where he doesn't respect them he or she doesn't respect them because that's kind of what that that's the territory that films enter for me when directors choose to make these decisions it's a fine line because on one sense he's doing a very good job of creating confusion tension paranoia because like you said we don't know who the bad guy is do we trust the ladies are they witches do we trust the priest what what the fuck was the the french lieutenant or who i don't even know who that guy was he he was the Jeez. strangest he was like the strangest actor i've ever seen like he kind of like reminded me of of the dude in um the stanley kubrick film you watched uh the killing the killing, you know how that that actor Timothy Carey was just so strange and bizarre. You didn't understand his motives. This actor was like that too. It's like, what what are you doing? Like, yeah, he's didn't... Like crumpling the paper, like, and then he's like drawing her eyes. Like, is he is yeah. he the serial killer? Like, that's what I thought. I was like, is he the serial killer? What's so what random.
3: Wrong? Why why are we given that? So, information?
2: So, so that's where that's the that bids a good question is like. You know, at that point, is it just abuse from the director? Is he just like fucking with you? You know, like, because it, it doesn't tie in neatly. Well, let me come
1: at this a different way. Like, I don't, okay. I think on our wheel, if I've been following our, our, we have started to add more movies from the 70s. And I think if we get to a point where we add a few, some noteworthy ones, so pull a, you know, some of the horror classics and pull some British movies because you're going to start to see like the thing that grabbed me were the was the sort of like what you talked about Yoshi with there was sort of the idea what we we're trying to put forward here in this sort of a cult theme uh, I got that and then it's done in a herky jerky way yeah there's not too much to the plot but the performances worked for me but it felt to me growing up in that era that it was sort of uh, it's kind of correlated to other '70s films and other experimental directors of that ilk, so I wasn't as put off. Like now, with our sort of 21st century sensibility, and we look back on that, and we go, "Oh," because to your point, yeah, probably he's having a little fun with us. Um, is it abusive? I, you know, didn't feel that way, you know, um, at all. Oh,
3: but oh, I guess we've seen the most. We've seen the most classic 1970s movie of them all. Nashville, yes. baby. Oh, that's Nashville. right. So Aaron makes my point, you know, with great well, use of... Uh... We've been to the 70s, baby. It's Nashville. <laughs> Come
1: on now. Uh, 1975,
3: I... smack dab in the middle. I love where...
1: Santa Cruz. I love Santa Cruz.
0: You mean uh, you mean 10 out of 10 uh, DCS rated Nashville? That Nashville? Yes. <laughs> 10.0. Oh, <0's.
3: fucking> Mason.
0: <laughs> Shout, Shout out to Mason.
3: Shout out to Mason. We'll have you back on the yeah. show sometime. 100%. Uh, yeah, Paul, go ahead. Finish it Yeah, so
1: I, you know, uh, I'm trying to crystallize my point here. But, you know, again, for the benefit of anybody watching up to this point is wondering, oh, my God, you know, just keep in mind that a six is fair. And I thought this was fair. I thought I thought Donald Sutherland, and Julie Christie did have chemistry. I thought uh, they kept this thing moving forward, you know, and for me, a movie like this always begs a lot of questions that are not related to our review show. But for me, like, you know, was Donald Sutherland, the Canadian, you know, were they asking him, what are you doing this summer, Don? And his agents calling him and pestering him. He's, well, I'm, I'm certainly not watching the Stanley Cup because, you know, my Maple Leafs are not in it. I'm going to head up to my cottage. Wait a minute. I got a chance for you to do a nudie scene with Julie Christie. Oh, Okay, great. So off he goes to Venice, and I think Venice is a backdrop because, Yoshi, you're the one who has definitely steered us into motifs and symbols and themes and definitely the rat in the water. As soon as I saw the little white rat, I'm like, ooh, here we are in the catacombs of the tunnels of Venice, and is that where Donald Sutherland has been? And we've never really had a, an emotional exploration because after we have that very powerful scene at the beginning, the daughter drowns, he's trying to resuscitate her. And then it sort of moves forward in time and in our more with our more modern sensibility, we know we're going to have this, you know, sort of gnashing of teeth as the couple come to terms with, you know, the loss of a child, but they seem to have moved on from it. And he is now pouring himself into his work. She is, you know, sort of pouring herself into the Venice environment. And, you know, if there's a Venetian quality that we don't know about yet, it's like, okay, we're now surrounded with water, so clearly it has no effect on them that going to a city which is sinking into water is having any psychological traumatic effect on them. And that, to me, was very fascinating, and I was like, will this be explained at some point? Well, I guess this is probably for the show. Okay, because it certainly wasn't <laughs> explained in the plot, and we never – we just didn't have that couples moment that we, I guess, ordinarily would have where we, we've got a – you know, our, my heart's rending and I need to talk about our, our beloved who's gone – we just kind of moved on. I've got to, you know, let's see if we're matching up mosaics and let's go have an, <laughs> a, a very, very, I mean, the, the length of that scaffolding scene. I played it back twice, even at 2X on YouTube. And I was like, holy cow, this is a long scene, mm-hmm. a really, really long scene to watch a stunt person in a crazy non-matching wig. I'm like, wow. But again, it probably informed, uh, you know, getting back, you know, reversing modern sensibility. It definitely informed an Ari Oster and and, uh, and uh, Steven Soderbergh and maybe on some cool editing tricks that they employed later. And probably given that, you know, I don't you know, you have the full output of British cinema, but this is probably, you know, I'm sure that there's a a selection of critics that are like, oh, no, don't look now. Ranks among among one of the finest occult British thrillers of all time. Like, okay. so um, I saw so many
2: people talking about how this was a masterpiece, and I just don't understand uh, that. What? Yeah. So let me ask you guys this, and we'll wrap this one up. Uh, Was the Red Dwarf the serial killer of Venice? Did Donald Sutherland really die in that moment? Or did he die, for instance, earlier with the scaffolding incident? And then the rest of it was just sort of like, you know, like images that he he went through during his death or something. Like, did he really die by a midget, by machete or axe or whatever the fuck she had in her hand?
1: It seemed to be. Then what the fuck? Because it's... Because what I couldn't reconcile was, okay, at the start of the film, he's having these images flash into his mind, his daughter playing with their son, and and then there's red, 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 and then all of a sudden she drowns. And so I, what I couldn't figure out, and it didn't make sense, it would just be an interpretation, is like, okay, is this was this his healing process? Because he wasn't there in time, because he now he realizes in that moment he dishonored because I think that's what makes that final edited sequence of the, his images as he slowly dies uh, and he bleeds out of his neck a couple of times. Like, oh, okay, I'm now atoning for what, you know, for my, my failure to save my daughter. And there may have been other failures as a parent, but I just felt like that was his absolution at the moment. So yes, he got killed for me. And, but in his death, it wasn't like a blackout Tony Soprano end of end of my life moment. We, he got to, because of his unique gift, got to see the full range of events from the death of his daughter to that moment where it reconciled in his mind, like, yes, you could have saved your daughter. You've been dealing with this guilt in a very strange way. Um, And this is your, uh, this is your
2: atonement. The reason I offer the, option that maybe he died in the scaffolding incident is because there was a moment where he was out with the priest by the canal where he had a flash of him actually falling. I don't know if you guys caught that, but like it was a moment where he had a vision of that moment unfolding differently where he wasn't saved and he actually fell. It's like a really quick flash. And that for me is why the film got as high as it did. If I'm going to speak positively about the film was that there were lots of moments like that, that I've never seen in film before where it was just really interesting cool decisions made in the editing room to sort of sort of just flash moments of characters thoughts into the audience's faces and it happened throughout the first like half of the film much more frequently than the second half but there were just like interesting cuts and and editing choices made where we got to see sort of like into the minds of these characters a little bit um, and I, I, I walked away feeling like that was pretty unique and cool. Any closing remarks from year three? I
3: figured That's, somebody would talk about um, ants. Yeah, I'd like to stay.
0: We're losing Aaron.
2: Aaron is.
3: And I'm proud
2: to be an Good, am I freezing? Yeah, you're freezing up. You're. You look you like this right now. This is you right now. These colors are... Oh, insane. am I... There you go.
3: You're... Oh. You're <laughs> My color... Hello? Can you I hear me? You're... I think you're back. Am I freezing? Yeah, you're freezing. Am I back?
0: <laughs> I'm still freezing?
2: You're back. Remember,
0: back.
3: the
1: blue portion of this state is the extreme left. And in the center, we grow vegetables, nurse livestock. We have a thriving red community How proud of
3: being I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> we have our okay corn chris we
2: are back toys. in this is where you cut it back in
3: okay aaron go ahead All right. i got comments um you know in my opinion this film could have been made 20 years earlier and it it could have killed it like you would think through the decades that film would you know, gradually get better. And I feel like it, it does in some sense, but to me, this film could have been made 20, 20 years earlier. I'm not sure the point I'm trying to make. It's, it's basically like I could see this being a fifties film and just being conquered in a narcissist kind of way. Yeah. You're you know studying Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want narcissist Want narcissist style this film 20 years later, and this becomes a different kind of film for for whatever reason in the 70s it seemed like they were doing some experimenting and with plot and camera and it just didn't work it just was not successful
2: i hear you Uh, um yeah i i think at the end of these conversations i always say to myself you know which which way am I leaning now? Did I go higher or lower? And I will say that I'm leaning closer to you, Chris, after this one. I, I don't have much to say about this movie. I think it was a failure. It's doo-doo. Um, okay, that was Don't Look Now. We tried to have a good enough conversation to pull a Night Porter effect, and I don't think we succeeded. Um, <laughs>